We're back. We're back. It's a distraction. I'm Drew. That's Rob. How you doing, Rob? I'm good, man. How are you? Did you have a nice Thanksgiving, Rob? I did have a pretty good Thanksgiving, honestly. Like, I had, uh, you know, my concerns like everybody else. But I think overall, like, I came out of it feeling better. And I've been trying to recreate a favorite sandwich all week with turkey. And that's like, that's the real, uh, the real bonus for me in the holiday. I, I do get turkey wear out. I always defend turkey before the holiday. But we, we were having the third night of leftovers on Saturday. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to look at this shit anymore. Can we get some Chinese food up in here? Yeah. One uh, choice that I've made, uh, which is probably not a smart choice, is that I have not looked up how long you can safely eat leftover meat. Uh, so I'm just know, gonna gonna keep on doing it until it starts to feel like something you shouldn't do. I'm just it, gonna trust my gut. You just give it the smell test. My wife is like a huge fetishist for throwing out food, and I'm the one who's like, like I'm like I I have it in my mind like I'm gonna eat like some leftover shit for lunch. Like I'm I'm getting excited about because I think about lunch like right after I've had breakfast. Like I'm thinking about lunch. Like lunch is yeah, like the priority. It's the mentality. And then I go to the fridge and it's gone, and I'm like, Carmody, she took it. <laughs> Get her. Even if even if she's saving you like Homer Simpson with the giant sandwich, I know. Once you get an idea in your head, yeah, it's hard to get that out. No, once once I have the once the food idea is incepted, then it, there's there's no going back. But we have a guest this week, Roth. You ready for our, oh, our really? first guest of the holiday season? Wow, this sounds festive. It is festive because our guest this week is the co-founder of Roads and Kingdoms, Nathan Thornburg. Hi, Nathan. Hey, Drew. Wow. Hey, Roth. How are you? I'm good. I'm a, I'm a little concerned about being your first holiday guest. I'm I'm uh, I'm an unlikely choice. Let's put it that way. It's all right. We're gonna it's it's gonna be really easy. We're gonna do like 20 minutes of caroling, uh, right. and we're gonna yeah. we're gonna do our and then our our uh, pantheon of different types of candy cane shapes, and then we're out. You do know. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm, sing you a mashup of of hymns, so it'll be fun. Yeah, I'm kind of a mixed race Jew. Uh, it's fine. Just <laughs> throw it at me. We'll see. I have found as a Jewish person that I have a unique affinity for Christmas because I didn't get tired of it uh, when I was a kid. I had no bad experiences. Like, it was just strictly, like, low main and movie theaters for, like, the first, you know, 20-odd years of my life. So it's all been very exotic to me ever since. I, I will say it must have seeped into my consciousness somehow because I, I almost wept yesterday when here in Queens we saw a sign on a vacant storefront for a, a virtual visit with Santa uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 2020, man, it whips ass. We that's love it. Like, uh, that's like Melania unveiled the White House Christmas decor this week, and like she she got roasted like one year because it looked like a Kubrick movie. Yeah, and so it looked like more like traditional Christmassy, but it still looked like I was waiting for there to be a fucking mall Santa pop up in the video because it looked yeah. like it looked like. Uh, it looked like a Westfield Center, like lined with Christmas trees, but like no store. So totally appropriate for 2020. Yeah, <laughs> Just even a the fucking empty ass mall. That was definitely the best of her Christmas videos, but it's still like the December to remember vibes are so strong in those things. That it's like overwhelming. <laughs> like she got the J.C. Penney's marketing crew to come in and tell her how to do it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. She's like, can you put a bow on this car? <laughs> yeah. They're like, all right. Yeah, like the on. GMC, I love it lady, was going to go prancing like down the hallway. I love that! <laughs> uh, Nathan co-founded uh, Roads and Kingdoms with Matt Golding, uh, and uh, that was financed by the late uh, Anthony Bourdain, and Roads and Kingdoms is still very much active and alive, but I wanted to ask you, uh, Nathan, uh, your... Uh, 
Road Skeeters was, was founded as a as a as a travel site, among other things. Uh, and you have not been able to travel at all since March, I think. Or the last time I spoke to you, you had not been able to travel at all since March. Have you been able to travel since the pandemic hit? I mean, to be weirdly honest, in March, I was able to travel. I mean, nobody in this fucking country will tell you what you should or should not be doing. I could have, uh, you know, I could have gone on the road trip of a lifetime with my covid New York ass uh, easily. Right. But, uh, but no, to answer, we have not traveled. I have not left the tri-state area. Maybe, uh, maybe a quick, you know, visit to Jersey to see some family uh, in their yard. Uh, but that's it. Um, so what do you do? I don't know. I mean, I think it's, uh, it's like porn. I flip through, uh, National Geographic, uh, you know, journeys, pictures. I talk to people, uh, on the other side of the planet and I get very titillated by something that's not actually happening and it's quite out of my reach. Do you, uh, do you like, Make sure you zoom with those people so you can actually see the terrain of a place that's far away. I'm yeah. not I like I don't I'm not joking when I ask. No, that, I, I, I mean there's a visceral kind of yearning out there that can only be solved with uh, with some visuals. <laughs> Where uh, men are more visual, right? This is how uh, this is how it goes. So yeah, I mean I, I've definitely had the zooms where you like. Okay, that's good. Just turn turn the camera a little to the left, a little more to the yeah, left. Yeah, I was gonna say, <laughs> I thought the the um, virtual Santa would be the grimmest part of this, but the idea of you being like, can you get some of uh, Lake Geneva in the background? <laughs> I think that would really help me a lot. That is just really dark. Uh, doing it have all you, from my closet. Uh, what is the thing you have missed most about traveling? And I'm gonna preempt this by saying that I miss like there's a lot of weird things I miss. Like I miss like. Very basic hotel rooms, like courtyard inns and shit. And I miss just like the whole process of going to the airport, even though flying fucking sucks. Like, yeah. so I, I wanted to ask what sort of little things you miss because it's like the majesty of the Grand Tetons and whatever. That's sort of obvious shit. Yeah, that's a little. That's a little more vague. I miss that smell of uh, of like jet exhaust. <laughs> you know, which was always <laughs> not. I mean, not something you would fully get high on but was always just a sign that you were about to get after it you know um right so we actually moved to queens uh in the in the shadow of LaGuardia, trying to chase that high but uh unfortunately <laughs> I, I haven't really gotten a whiff of it uh but yeah i mean it's the whole package it could be any moment when you're traveling and they all suck i mean i think you know every trip has a nadir um and i even miss those you know uh montezuma's revenge <laughs> Haven't had that in right. nine months. Like a, a I, yeah. Oh, oh, memories. <laughs> <laughs> but but it is weird though that anxiety. I was thinking about that recently. Uh, I was talking to my sister about a trip that we had taken to India. It was my wife and her, my sister and her husband, and just like that, it's sort of not in your stomach where you're like, "Is this meal the one? Is this the thing? Is this the moment <laughs> when I fuck up and like eat a cucumber that got rinsed in a sink that's gonna ruin my like." Of all the things I've worried about, like that was kind of a, a fun type of tension because it felt like you had some control over it. And uh, everything that I've worried about for the last, whatever, eight or nine months has just been like, that's a, a thing that could happen to me. Like the only thing I could do is like, you know, wear a mask and not go to like a nightclub someplace. Yeah. <laughs> it is a little weird to be like reminiscing about worrying about a disease. Um. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, I mean, but, but it's funny too that... That that's like the part where I'm like, oh, you remember how much fun it was when you were like terrified every time you had to eat? Like that's that is a weird place to go in your head, but well, it's, 
That's me. It's the mind I've got. It's also, uh, to me, it's a very white fear. Like, it's like, like, oh, if I leave, if I leave the upper Midwest, the food might make me sick. Like, that's very, like, <laughs> like you, it's not, it's not that the food made you sick. It's that you're a, you have a weak ass white person, Caucasian colon. Well, it's also what. very self-correcting because, of course, the great mistake that white people often make when traveling around the world is to seek out some sort of white linen uh, dining experience for fear of street food when that's exactly where you're going to get it. Uh, you know, yes, as as, the, as my partner Matt Goulding has pointed out, he's never been sicker than after having eaten at a white linen place in Bangkok. He should have stuck to the street. Yeah, I completely and and utterly believe that. Have you, um, like, have you had any problems existentially with having to stay in the same place for as long as you have? Like, what's it been <laughs> like to not be able to travel despite that having been? Your business, and essentially, like, I would assume a sort of fundamental part of your identity for so many years. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, should I lie? <laughs> it's been super easy. Totally fun. Uh, love being locked down. That's <laughs> the life I chose. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I guess one of the great things about kind of national and global calamity is it does give you a little teaspoon of... Uh, perspective every once in a while. I try to sip on that uh, when I'm feeling too sorry for myself. Um, also, I had, I think in the two months before lockdown, had gone to Beirut and Sweden and Norway and Cuba and Germany. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I had enough momentum to push me through at least the first few months of the lockdown. Um, but, you know, at Roads and Kingdoms, it's interesting because we had been uh, starting a process anyway of switching to mixing up content with actual trips, like putting people out there in the places we write about in our books or in the places we went to with Bourdain. However, that is, that was going to take some time to pivot and work and kind of get the financing for lockdown turns out is a perfect time to be planning a travel company, not running one, but planning. Right. One. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, it's been a lot of like zoom calls with me and chefs and people, you know, we know and love around the world saying, Hey, are you free? And they're like, yeah, we're free. <laughs> you, you know, uh, <laughs> so we've all figured out that we're all pretty free and ready for whatever the fuck is going to come after this. Uh, those chefs- I've been thinking a lot about what's going to come after this. Like what, if there is, and when there is some sort of opening up, like, are people just going to fucking go off? Like, is everyone just going to, like, the first month that people can go back to work, everyone's just going to be like, yeah, I need two weeks. <laughs> and then just, like, go someplace? Like, I feel that urge, and yet at the same time, like, I can't imagine, you know, it's just so hard to think about the future in general at the moment. I I think there's a couple things that are going to mitigate that. One, it's like classic kind of starvation scenario. Like, if you are in lockdown and... Uh, in your apartment for 12 months and you think that a backpacking trip around Southeast Asia is, you know, the very first thing you're going to do, you're going to fry. Yeah. You got to stretch out a little bit there. It's not (laughs) getting back into it by uh, deciding to run a marathon. Yeah. You got to eat some of that. What is it? The plumpy nut, you know, that nutritional supplement to, (laughs) to kind of get you back. So start with small trips. That's, that's my, uh, my personal service advice start 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 locally work your way up uh you know small aircraft and then finally you can get back on uh on the on the big international ones i i also think that 
unfortunately, one of the things that we're going to see in travel, it's, I think it's going to get a lot more expensive. Like the days of, you know, that $300 round trip ticket to Asia are gone for a while because that was all subsidized by uh, those people I love to hate, which is these like senseless business travelers who would pay whatever for any kind of ticket. Uh, they're not going to be around doing business travel. So I think, I think actually from our perspective as people who travel for, you know, pleasure, I think it's going to be a, a bit different than we remembered it. Yeah. The hard thing is yeah. that like, uh, for some reason I signed up for like travel zoo before the pandemic and I didn't unsubscribe from like the, the list. And so all during the pandemic, it's been like, you can go round trip to Puerto Vallarta and back for like a hundred dollars. And I'm like, that is such a great deal. I want <laughs> yeah, to take advantage same. of it, except I'll die. <laughs> I legit unsubscribed from an email because I couldn't stand to see that stuff. Cause it was like, it felt like a, a, a really idiotic temptation, but they were like, what if you were just like, cause we know that there's some percentage of the population that's just living like this shit isn't happening. Yeah. Right. That they're just like, it's totally normal for them. And so to get an email where they're like, you want to go to Paris this weekend? It's 180 bucks. Well, <laughs> like there's a part of me that's like, yeah, very much. I, like, but I love that we, you know, can't. this is how we find out that Expedia is also a merchant of death if they have to be, you know? <laughs> like, no <laughs> yeah, problem. yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's, it's been great watching these, like, the sloganeering that's going on. Like, you know, I've been getting emails about how to book your bubble, uh, <laughs> which is, <laughs> or like retravel. That's a big one uh, that keeps popping up. We're, we're going to retravel what is, soon. What is retravel? Uh, I, I presume that is that that thing when you get back after it you know it's it's a way for people who have trips to sell and book right now to sort of you know uh sell the public on the idea it's not traveling because traveling is dangerous but when you retravel yeah it'll be safe i i, I yeah. yeah you've already you've already been so like you pro- what could possibly happen that's new that's why you go back something like that i told the same trip over and over again right i told the story but i i had never taken my kids abroad and uh and sometime in like like last November or December, my wife and I we had had some money saved up. We were like, "Fuck it, we'll go to Paris for spring break." And we bought, we booked the Airbnb, we bought the tickets and all that stuff. And we and we t- told the kids, and they were like, they were fucking jazzed. Like my son, like the eight year old, was like, "I'm gonna eat so many croissants!" Like he was so excited. And uh, and like the pandemic started to get worse, and like February hit, and I went to Europe on assignment for road and track and came back. I don't know how I made that under the wire. And I was like, yeah, I made to Europe and back. It was fine. We'll be all right. And, uh, and then March hit and all the shit got real. And we were like, fuck, like we can't do this. And so, and so we had to cancel everything somehow against all odds. We got our money back from everybody. But so like, like that's been like the, the whole thing has been like getting that trip back. So that's what I think of when I think of re-travel. But I know I'm not going to be able to do that for life. Yeah, maybe it's short for revenge travel. But this is like you finally <laughs> getting true. your comeuppance. <laughs> yeah, like land at Charles de Gaulle and be like, I'm here. The haters are furious. They <laughs> said it was impossible. Right. That's right. Do you have any uh, grand plans uh, for slowly coming back into the travel field, Nathan? Because... I just read that uh, that Fauci said, you know, hopefully by April, um, you know, most people will have been vaccinated and th- and some sort of normalization process. Well, it's not going to happen with a snap of the fingers or anything like that, but it will, there will be a gradual easement back into sort of safe, open living. Uh, do you have sort of an itinerary for yourself 
Yeah, well, I mean, I'm going to start super local and just sit around a hot pot with a half dozen people. <laughs> start yes. with that. Yeah, I was going to say, this is the, the great thought about Queens, is like, you can just go to a different part of the borough and like slowly begin to get your sea legs back on. Yeah. Your yeah. And, you know, we, I, sort of on accident, we moved to a very... Uh, I mean, you could say this about almost every part of Queens, but in Astoria where we are, you know, even the white people are super ethnic, you know, they have like every kind of cuisine and any deep dive, you know, into Balkan to uh, Egyptian food is is kind of at a a finger's reach. So we've been uh, we've been trying to get after that. I mean, probably what we'll find out is all the Egyptian food we've been eating is like bad pad thai. You know, it's like the American <laughs> version of uh, right. the real shit that goes down. But uh, yeah, for me, the first place has got to be Japan. Uh, also, because I've got, my kids are a quarter Japanese. We've spent some time over there. Uh, they uh, have been missing it viscerally, like your son with croissants. Um, that is the, that is top on the request it also happens to be just about one of the best places to visit on earth also they will not let us in until at least like 2026 <laughs> like the japanese yeah. uh germ phobic in the best of times um and sort of having always thought that i was a little too hairy and a little uh you know unhygienic <laughs> for their own sin uh, I think are going to have a harder time letting foreigners in quickly. So that that may be a second part of 2021, uh, maybe a 2022 project. Do you have Olympics family in Japan? Just a rolling panic attack for them. Uh, we do have family in Japan. We actually had to go find the family because, uh, like a lot of uh, Japanese American families, my wife's family had gotten out of touch. So we used I used to work at Time Magazine. I flexed a very bored bureau's muscles and made them go find our our missing relatives. And it was fucking great. That's cool. What what relation were the relatives and where did they live? This was my wife's great aunts and uncles. So they weren't that far removed. They looked exactly like her grandparents, uh, moved exactly like them, chuckled like them, uh, except they were living in rural uh, Yamaguchi and like killing snakes as 90 year olds, uh, out in the rice fields. They, they were hardcore. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. They were, uh, where, yeah. where, where is Yamaguchi? Yamaguchi is South of Hiroshima. So they were all, uh, they were all part of the kind of greater Hiroshima area. Um, okay. With reasons to not be so excited when their family showed up again, sort of, uh, mixed up with Americans <laughs> in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah, I could see how that would be. That would be you'd feel conflicted about that. Uh, I could see that. Yeah, uh, I mean the the but they were they were wonderful. I think the great uncle said, "I'm so happy I could die," and the aunt said, uh, "I think I might die right now." <laughs> uh, and we caught all that through the translator, and it was a very uh, thrilling moment. It, she didn't. She lived for years and years afterwards. Oh, something sounds really cool about seeing other people. <laughs> like I know that it also sounds cool to go to Japan, but like man, meeting people that you haven't met before—that that is pretty tight. Uh, yeah, someone yeah, has a, a really provincial question about Japan. Yeah. Have you have you been to a baseball game there? I have not. I want to see the Carps. It's always been, yeah, it's always been on my list. Like it's that, and I, that was kind of like getting me through. I know Drew was also a pervert with the Korean baseball organization early in quarantine. Yeah, it's that, awesome. Like, watching. Yeah, and like I, it just seems like a real, especially now that people can actually go to the games. Like it just seems like such a fun energy to be a part of and like whatever eating like weird octopus balls while people are singing around you as like a b plus baseball game happens like 
I mean, I miss going to all baseball games, but that especially seems like that's like on my long wow. list. Yeah, that would yeah. beat out the uh, garlic fries at Pac Bell any day. Yeah, yeah, they showed they showed uh, they showed footage from a, a Taiwanese baseball league game, like early in the pandemic, because Taiwan had their shit together and had has had like six total cases or something like that since it started, and everyone looked so happy, and I was like dying. I was like, yeah, I'm moving to Taiwan. One. I'm fuck this country. I'm never coming back. I'm going to be Taiwanese for the rest of my life. By the way, uh, Roth, Nathan is a sports fan. He's a uh, he's a 49ers fan. So good news for you, Nathan, because the 49ers have to move to Arizona for two weeks. And uh, I believe the last time I watched the Cardinals play, they were letting in fans. So it's possible. Possible. You get in your car <laughs> oh, yeah. and drive Ill- to Phoenix. advisable. And safely, <laughs> safely attend a home game for the 49ers in Arizona. Wouldn't that be great? You, you may have miscalculated my level of fandom. Will I die <laughs> and kill for my team? Not literally. Um, but it has been fun. To, get, to watch the backup quarterback. <laughs> yeah, right. For the Nick Mullins, yeah. I will murder, you know, I will super spread if, <laughs> if that's what it takes to see that golden arm. I, it has been fun to, to listen to all of them and their sort of uh, sycophant media complain about Santa Clara County, a county which they have been suing <laughs> actively for years. Uh, yeah! And they're like... We should have been notified. And I was like, I'm sure your lawyers are fucking talking to the county every day about the money you're trying to get yeah. from them. Um, yeah. So it's also beautifully like football brain stuff, too, that they're like, oh, so we weren't, this kind of came out of nowhere. And it's like, well, there's a, a fucking pandemic happening. I'm sure you've heard of it. <laughs> like half your team missed a game earlier this year because they all had it. Like it's the same one, right. it's the same disease that did Go that. Ask Kendrick Bourne what's going on. He'll tell you. Right. God, man. <laughs> um, I uh, can like- I ask you, Nate? Nathan, uh, how has Road and Kingdoms been doing? Uh, two years ago, uh, I spoke to you uh, right after uh, Bourdain died um, for the GQ uh, oral history that I, I compiled of him. And of course, you were, we were wonderful for it. And everyone who, everyone who spoke to me for it was, was very kind and generous to do so. I remember you told me that, that after he had died, there were some things you had to untangle uh, sort of on your end at Roads and Kingdoms. And yes, I know that's another Was that being euphemistic? Um, yeah. I, I, I think it was, yeah. I, I, I think you put it in, in more blunt terms than me, but I, I was putting it gently for, for the sake of, of this podcast. But how have things been since then, and how are things now? Uh, I will say, as a, uh, as a shout-out, that was a, it was a great piece. I mean, I didn't read, you know, uh, very many of the 5 million things that were written about him after he died. I felt like yours was the, the one that just kind of, uh, caught him in a bottle, uh, as much as possible. So, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, the, you know, it's amazing rivers of confluence between a really terrible media environment for business. I mean, uh, I'm not sure I have to yes. tell you two gentlemen about that. No, right. um, nope. And I believe your your current uh, money guy is a stand-up comic or something. I read that. Uh, I know. He, was, he, he was. He was a stand-up comic. Jasper did yeah. stand-up, man. He had the, he had the balls to do it. So, I, I mean, listen, that's the kind of thinking it's going to take because it is a hilarious industry right now. Um, <laughs> I fucking uh, love doing media, but we obviously, you know, I think even, even bef- without the Tony equation, which was sort of a 
both the personal and obviously professional loss, we were going to have to rethink what it means to do indie media. So this is, you know, this is kind of the long tail of it, uh, which is that you have to mix it up. We're going to be doing stories. We're going to publish writers that we love, but we're also going to let people who are really into what we do, they exist out there to kind of come in and help support it more and live it a little more. I mean, it is quite the tease to produce all this content about amazing experiences, about cuisines around the world, uh, you know, that, that is as visually rich as you can do online. And then at the end, just be like, all right, that's it. See you later. You know, uh, I want the equivalent of that, you know, porn pop up that says, you know, want to fuck in your neighborhood or, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like just take, you know, take this excitement that you've got and actually operationalize it, like get out there. So that's, you know, that's kind of our, our unique approach to solving what is, you know, ailing the media. And, uh, I think it'll work. I hope it'll work. If nothing else, uh, it'll, you know, it's gotten me through lockdown with a lot of, you know, kind of planning amazing experiences and feeling like that's the next best thing to actually being on them. As I get older, I feel like making sure there is a, a sort of a future signpost, like some something to look forward to, it gets more and more important. <laughs> like, And that sounds very morbid in the sense that, well, if you don't have that, there's just death ahead of you. And I've already died once, and I can't recommend it. <laughs> but I, I do notice that, like, it's nice to have, like, even even in quarantine, if there's just, like, you know, like, I, I saw my parents in July after, a hard, after like, we all did hard quarantine, got tested, and I had that to look forward to. I was really looking forward to Christmas, because it was just, even though we were home, it's, like, different. There's, like, a tree. So there's, like, there's that. Um, so I, I get, and, and Defector, like, we, the, the, we were able to launch Defector in September, and, like, having that as, like, a thing that's coming in the distance, even if it's not a tangible going to a place, uh, it just, it's very good. seems very good for my mental well being in general. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, uh, we all got to stay busy on something. Um, and fortunately, you know, for those of us in media, I don't think there's, there's not an end to the hamster wheel. Like there's no like, Hey, we got, we got the job. It's, it's solved. It's figured out. You know, we, uh, right. yeah. we have lots of sort of valiant struggle ahead of us to keep us occupied. <laughs> well, it's I, definitely better to have that sort of idea of, you know, even if it's like some difficult, you know, longer horizon sort of goal than the idea that, when I was at my darkest, when we were leaving Deadspin, I was like, all right, so I'll just get another job and I'll have it for exactly 18 months and then I'll get pivoted out because they're just now we're a Snapchat site and we don't need like a old hairy guy anymore. And that would be that. And like the idea of having a, a thing that's ours, or in your case, the idea of like betting on this relationship with your readers that like, you know, just taking that next step of being like, all right, do you want to actually come on this trip with us? Like, if there's anything good to sort of find in this moment, it's, I think, like, it's that idea of, like, just not accepting the perpetuity of, you know, what was in 2019. Yeah. Because that wasn't really doing it for anybody anyway. Well, you know, at at risk of licking each other to death here, I will say that... Uh, Let's do it, though. <laughs> that I... Too late! <laughs> Fucking love the defector. I mean, the idea of it, which is, uh, as far as I can tell, you guys found one good thing from that weird ass experience, which was, hey, here's a team of people that we love to work with, and then you just kind of made that the next, the next gig. And I think that, you know, that if, if there's a lesson for anybody, it's just take whatever, you know, little kernel of corn from the steaming pile and uh, and and make that the <laughs> meal. 
Wait, that sounds terrible. <laughs> I was wondering how you're going to land that. I was like, this metaphor is compelling but gross. And then you ate the corn at the very end. And I am in I food like, oh. media. Watch out, world. I was like, oh, shit, Colonel. You're talking about Bernico's posts. But no, I'm just joking. <laughs> He's not even here to defend himself. I know. Uh, He's good. He, he, can, he can yell at me later, though. He can yell at me during Defector Trivia Night or some shit. Uh, it has traditionally been my job at Roads and Kingdoms to just come up with the most unappetizing headlines for even food stories, just because that is, uh, that is the way my mind works. <laughs> so... What was the what was the least appetizing headline you came up with? Oh, uh, we early on we had a great piece from Michael Idoff, the Russian writer. No, yeah, I think uh, he and Lily Idoff, his wife, were down in South Africa, and they did a piece about sheep's head stew, which is an amazing dish, an iconic dish. Uh, and I pulled out a quote of his from the piece, which was uh, said it was like you know the 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 heads rise up, sort of like little nightmares. So. That was the title of a actual food story was like little nightmares, <laughs> uh, which was, that's actually a cool. That's a cool headline. I like that. I, yeah. See, you guys are but with it's also me. like anytime. Yeah. Anytime your headline could also be just like a metal band's EP <laughs> title. Like you've probably hit that one on the screws. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, that hmm. was in my the reader counts. That's my Spotify wrap up. Would uh, would disagree with you. <laughs> People did not get what they thought they were clicking on with that headline. <laughs> <laughs> Nathan Thorberg, you have been a fabulous guest, and we hope to have you on again someday. Would you come back on? I will come back on. All right. Thanks well, for doing it, dude. I will wish you a happy holiday. Yeah, back and, at uh, you. And, and I would encourage everybody to go to roadsandkingdoms.com. That's roads and kingdoms, not the ampersand, the word and.com to check out everything they have. Is there anything else you'd like to plug, Nathan, while you're with us? Oh, shit. I have a podcast. Yes, that would, expl- that would explain. That would explain your wonderful on. microphone. I've been on that damn podcast. Uh, that's right. Remember. It's called the trip. It is. Uh, it is an ironic title these days, but I did have Drew on. He uh, he lived it up. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a kind of a global drinking podcast, basically. Although we did go to Iraq during Ramadan, so there's some tea and water thrown in, but mostly alcohol, mostly overseas, um, and a little strange. You should give it a listen. Yes, that that all that all sounds good. It, it's not just two guys riffing about about short circuit two. So, like, I think that's cool. I think I, th- I, I think the podcast space needs some uh, some of some of that. It definitely needs more. We'll be podcasts. right back with the short circuit two chat, though. Nathan <laughs> <laughs> hey, Thorberg, thanks for coming on. We will see yeah, you man, another thank time. You. Thank you, sir. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Uh, we're gonna take a break and come right back. And we're back, and we have a second guest today. Roth, you ready for what? a second guest? A this what? is unprecedented. Two? There's a, a show can't have two guests. That's What's next? Like, Three yeah. guests? Are you are you saying? Wait, is there gonna be like a musical guest next? <laughs> yes. There's, there's no mashup anymore. I can't sing a mashup to the next. Terrence so. Trent Darby. <laughs> Incredible. Our uh, our second guest this week is Defector Accomplice Chris Jones. Say hi, to everybody. Chris. Hello, everybody. Oh, Hi, Chris. Oh, never gets old. Never gets old. <laughs> All right, Chris, uh, you get to play. Uh, you are the first person who gets to play Dead or Canceled this week. You ready to play some Dead or Canceled? I am ready. Okay, you have to tell me whether or not this person is dead or canceled. The All options, right, you again, ready? are dead or canceled. Yes, your options are dead <laughs> or canceled. Uh, if it. I'm not, No, I'm not going to put any caveats on it. You, you have to guess whether or not they're dead or canceled. All right, Chris. Uh, 
dead or canceled, famous author Norman Mailer, dead or canceled? Uh, both. I yeah, think he's dead. That's the correct answer, I think. Dead, I was gonna I was gonna say the caveat was that if you were canceled while you're alive but you died, dead takes the precedent. And <laughs> yes, he's dead. He's also he's also a total bastard. And uh, and was if he was alive today, he would definitely be canceled. But he he died before canceling really became a thing. But but yes, have he you was read his dead. like the good books? Okay. I read the Executioner's song and stopped halfway through because I was like, this is a piece of shit. Like, really? is, is it bad. pretentious? I've not read a single one of his books, which is embarrassing. Chris, have, have, pick us up here, man. Have you finished a Norman Mailer book? I actually read the ridiculously long CIA book that he wrote. Oh, uh, wow. Harley's Ghost or something like that mm-hmm. that gets into the weeds of, like, CIA recruitment and just... It, I mean, it's, you know, it, it is unbelievably self-indulgent. Uh, I remember reading some short stories as well and thinking they were not nearly as bad. Yeah, the, weirdly, the one recollection I have of him that's the brightest is from When We Were Kings, where he has some on-camera uh, bits where he talks, and he's incredibly ridiculous in it. Like, he just looks, he's just like a hairy little gnome who's, like, somehow, <laughs> like, managing to be horny for both, like, Ali and then, like, the broader idea of Africa in a way that was really upsetting. But, like, at the same time, that I was like, oh, well, at least he likes sports. That's definitely like there's definitely those dudes who talk about like Africa like like it's the size of Rhode Island. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when like it's a place you go visit, like saying like I'm gonna go visit North America on Yeah, vacation. yeah, yeah. Well well that's just so Africa. Like it's the <laughs> second largest continent on earth. Yep. It's fucking huge. What are you doing? When we were kids, uh, is good though. Great, a great opportunity to watch like literary lions get dorky about sports. George Plimpton <laughs> has a lot of that in there too. Yeah, the Executioner song, Chris. When I when I read it, uh, it had a lot of the writeries that we make fun of now, like it just sort of that standard schlong form stuff. And he was he was doing it in service of a of a serial killer, of essentially romanticizing the story of a shitbag serial killer in Utah. And so that made it even grosser. And he was a gross person to begin with, Mailer. So the whole thing, like, it was back at a time when like. Writers could basically write nonfiction that was entirely fake and yeah. and get away with it. People were like, oh, this is just a masterful narrative piece of nonfiction. Uh, you want the guy of the week, Chris? Sure. Who is the guy uh, of the week? All right. Uh, Chris, I'm going to ask you your age because it might be a good indicator of whether or not you remember the guy of the week. 43. Oh, okay. That's a good one. I'm, Such right, a fun I'm age. I'm 44 and Roth is 42. <laughs> so I think this is right in your wheelhouse. Your guy of the week. Former Houston Oilers quarterback Cody Carlson is your guy. Do you remember Cody Carlson, Chris Jones? I do remember Cody Carlson. He would he went to college down there too, right? Didn't he go to college in Houston or someplace down nearby? I mean, he's a Cody, so it's yeah. Reason <laughs> he went to Baylor, did he? Yeah, yes, and uh, I mean, and also Cody Winston Churchill Texas. High School in Texas, which is a really nice idea. <laughs> of just thinking about how that came to pass. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I ever Cody was one of the. Uh, like if you, when I grew up in the '80s and '90s, like there were like good lifetime backups who stayed with one team forever. So like that's what I was gonna say about him. I don't think that happens anymore. But there was a ton of them. Jeff Hostetler won a Super Bowl. Yeah, like teams would Host- just have their second quarterback would be like roughly as good as their starter. Yeah, like there was Frank Reich, who's now a coach and was and led the 35-3 comeback against Houston. Cody Carlson backed up 
uh, Warren Moon for a zillion years. There was like like Chris Chandler was one of those backups until mm-hmm. he became a starter and like won a Super Bowl. But like like the eighties and nineties were rife with those guys, and there are no more lifetime backups because because there's free agency now, and there's like more fluid player movements. So like guys aren't like stuck. Like how long did Steve Young have to sit behind Joe Montana? Like five years? Yeah. The I think the thing too that there are there's like a more robust backup economy now. Like Chase Daniel is like unimaginably rich, yes. despite never having been good enough to like or good enough to be a starter anyway. But like yeah, it works. Like that is different. Like you're not sort of stuck with some like reserve clause thing where you're like, all right, well I'm sitting behind like a fringe Hall of Famer and wearing a stupid powder blue hat for the rest of my professional life. It was a, I think he was a respectable backup, though. I'm saying that, though. I'm not going to look at his stats because I'm too lazy to look at them. I <laughs> am looking at them, and he was all right. He, what he was really his... didn't play very much, though. I mean, he was 11-8 and eight as uh, his quarterback record over the course of his entire career. Can Chris and I guess his career passer rating and see who yeah. gets closer? <laughs> all right. Chris, what is your guess? <sighs> Let's see. Uh, what would a good... What would a good... <sighs> Yeah, I'll we know passer rating such a bad stat. This is a really tough yes. one to do. It is, but I love 80? it. 80? Okay, okay mine, is, mine is 87. Now I have to find his passer rating on the page. <laughs> well, you really said you bad. were looking at his stats. I am, man. I'm looking at the, the pro football reference. They don't have that shit. Uh, all right, wait. Where's the passer rating? Oh, oh, pro football reference is too respectable to actually have passer rating on there. Probably. Yeah, sorry. Um, I can look it up, though. Uh, this will be this will be fun. Everybody can discover it right along with us. Drew, would you qualify uh, Wade Wilson? His career pass rating was seventy point zero on oh, the news. That's, that's pretty bad, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, would you qualify Wade Wilson as one of the like backups who was actually good? No, because he was a starter for the Vikings for. The formative part of my Vikings. That's what I was going to uh, ask. Like, he was it, like the one that was like a long time backup and then, like, actually not very good. Yeah, he was in a platoon with, I think, Tommy Kramer at first and then Sean Salisbury. And that was mm-hmm. like, somehow that is what hooked me on the Vikings. So there's no good explanation <laughs> that's for just, that. That's all at your fault. All. Uh, would you like to drink from the poison chalice, Chris? Sure. Okay. You got two bad tweets to choose from. Uh, and I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you the obvious one first. This one's from Glamour Magazine, which still exists. Uh, and their tweet is, um, Mora from Schitt's Creek and Home Alone, the Home Alone Mom, are played by the same person. With a link. What? Like, what? Oh my god. <laughs> Can't believe it. Did you know that, Chris? So I about two days before that tweet was uh, appeared, I actually had to explain that to my nine-year-old. So he was legitimately <laughs> surprised by that because it was like he, you know, whether or not it's a good idea, has been watching Shit's Creek and finds it very amusing. And uh, like it, it was so he is fascinated with actors who sort of pop up in various things, you know, kids shows or who are who do voices on things that he watches. And it was just like he was astonished by the fact that that was the same person. So it was almost like glamour may have been tapping into his phone or something like that and was like, there are people who don't know this. We need to we need to get this tweet out there just to hit those people. Those people are nine, though, and should not be on Twitter. But I could definitely see how that would blow a kid's mind, though, the idea of being like, 
Because, like, when you're nine, like, Home Alone seems like it would have been made, like, while Jesus Christ was alive. <laughs> and, then, and, like, and, like, Schitt's Creek is, like, you know, it's just, that's from now. That's right. new. Like, I also, uh, I, I do like playing that card with my kids and trying to blow their mind with, like, that was directed by the same person. They don't give a fuck who the director is. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was made by a guy named Steven Spielberg. And, and also, uh, my eight-year-old has also gotten into Schitt's Creek without us knowing on the sly. Like, he has. Oh, no. <laughs> Somehow he got into the adult part of the of Netflix, and because uh, my wife was watching Schitt's Creek and got into it, and like I I look up for my phone and I I think it's a perfectly good show. Yeah, it's and fine. Uh, and he's like blazed through it. He's like already finished the show. And my wife is only on like season two or something. <laughs> Your other taste, uh, Chris, is from Vanity Fair writer Joanna Robinson, and this is my one of my favorite kinds of bad tweets. She said, "Remember how the Irishman was supposed to be a cultural reset slash you were uncultured swine if you didn't like it, and how we literally never talk about it at all just one year later." What? Was your Damn. mind blown again by that take, Chris? I yeah, that's I don't know. That's an interesting one. I guess that, that I, I'm with you. Those are that's one of my least favorite things is that everybody is the, this sort of revisionist history. That's kind of the uh, the ultimate in the straw man, right? Too where it's you you decide yes. that everybody everybody in the world decided that you were, you know, that you were worthless if you didn't like that, and now nobody is ever talking about it again. It's though such either a, of those things is true. It's such a Twitter tick too. I totally agree that that's like just a thing that. Is like it's uh, of all the impulses that exist on there. That's the one that uh, like it pops up in the most different guises, the most frequently. Like there's one that like people are always like I don't remember who it was. It might have been Killicow, our buddy, that did that tweet. That was like every time something you know whatever like Steph Curry goes off, there's always someone pretending that they were like I, th- I was told Steph Curry couldn't shoot. Right. Ooh, like that <laughs> right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that, like, I. Go I ahead. definitely don't like the the use of the royal we as the straw man. Like yeah. usually, it's like some people say blank, but when you throw it down to like, remember when we all pretended that like pumpkin pie is good? That's when I get pissed yeah. off. Also, I mean, putting- it seems clearly that what she's talking about there is that like uh, the dispute between like Martin Scorsese and like the greater Marvel, you know, horde or whatever. And I don't think people are still talking about Avengers Endgame either. Like, there's new movies that come out. And then people talk about those movies as they come out. I just can't imagine what's happened in the past year to make you not think about The Irishman. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She'd say it's probably Marty's fault. Whatever it is. I have it. We'll look it up after the show. It was a perfectly good movie. I thought it was a good movie. Yeah. Plus, the, the fact that it was four hours long, it didn't matter because I just watched it over like three nights. I didn't really give a crap. Yeah. Uh, let's, time to, let's open up the fun bag uh, for this is, you. This is the good Roth. part, Chris. You and will not be quizzed Chris. on anything anymore. Uh, Sounds well, good. What is the fun bag but a quiz? This is from yes. Steve Chris. He writes in, I've come to the opinion that mugs are vastly superior, vastly, to normal drinking glasses. You can use them to hot, drink hot and cold things. Plus, they frequently have fun artwork on the side, like a picture of Garfield saying, I hate Mondays. Do you agree? <laughs> can we all get rid of drinking glasses and become a full-on mug-drinking society, Chris? Mug culture. <laughs> I do think it's accurate to say that if you had to get rid of one of the two, you'd get rid of regular glasses because mugs are more versatile. I do the, I would say, though, that I, I enjoy drinking cold beverages out of a nice sort of tall glass or a typical, you know, if I, yeah. if I had my choice. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't choose to get rid of mugs, but I do agree with the point that if you've got to take one or the other, you're definitely going with the mug because you could, the ice water works, so does coffee. You know, it's, uh, they are more versatile. I think drinking cold beverages out of a mug is kind of 
pervert behavior. Like, not in a bad way. It's just the sort of thing that, like, if you're doing it by choice, you're weird. And if you're doing it because there's nothing else around, then, like, you're probably camping or something. And that's fine, but it's, you know, it's its own different sort of thing. I feel like it's something you do only if you're on a guest on a late-night talk show. Yeah. Like or if you're in somebody's, like, this is the experience I've had at, like, this was more of, like, an upper Midwestern thing, but where, like, somebody knows somebody who has a house on a lake, so you all go to it. And, like, that's a place where, like, the only times that I've drank, like, a cold beverage out of a mug, it's been, like, scotch. <laughs> because, like, we brought, <laughs> we brought that, and then we go show up at the house, and, like, the only things you can drink from are, like, a 64-ounce plastic cup in a neon color or the Garfield <laughs> I Hate Mondays mug. You know what's also good is soup out of a mug. Like, I feel, Ooh. like, if you hold it with both hands and you, like, wrap yourself in a blanket, like, you feel very... Very loved drinking like hot soup out of a mug. I would say at those places too, the the cabins they undoubtedly have some sort of quip about boats instead of Garfield. Yeah, like, hell yeah. yeah. Like a, <laughs> the only two good days in a boat owner's life are the day he buys a boat and the day he sells the boat. Yeah, I'd rather, I'd rather be fishing. Yeah, there's some sort of like just a whatever, just words picked at random. It's like fishing divorce question mark, and you're like, all right, I guess I see where you're going for there. Roth, you get to answer this one. This one comes from Red. Who would be a worse color guy on TV, Eli or Tom Brady? Ooh, well, uh, they both be bad, I think. And we may very well get to find out. Eli, to me, like, it's weird because, like, I, I'm not the hugest Peyton Manning fan in the world. I think that Peyton Manning would do very well if he decided he wanted to do color commentary. Yes. In this, sort of in the same way that Romo's good at it, but he's, like, a little bit more of a, a turd. Like, Romo's actually, like, a delight to me. Like, always. And not even just in the, you know, calling out, like, specialty packages or plays or whatever, which is cool. But, like, he seems like he has the right attitude about football. I think Peyton mostly does as well. Eli's just kind of like a mush. Like, he's not, uh, like, super fun to listen to one way or the other. And yet I think he has to be better than Brady. Like, Brady's just such a stiff to me. Chris, Chris, do you agree? I would agree with that. I think, I don't feel like I know enough about Eli's personality, but I feel like it would be hard to listen to Brady in both his personality, but also him trying to explain the way that he did things would be impossible to do. Yeah, that's I, uh, a problem with superstar commentators yeah. in general. I agree with that. I don't agree with either of you. Like, I've you heard think I've Brady s- would do well at it? Well, wait, let's not be generous. <laughs> I've I've seen enough Eli press conferences to know that he's just an annoying hayseed and he doesn't really add anything to the conversation. But I've also seen that sort of the sort of a behind the scenes, not behind the scenes footage of Brady and Belichick like discussing game strategy like in in Belichick's office and stuff. And there's interesting football details in it. And I think Brady is inherently interested in those details enough to like talk about them during a game telecast he would also try to sell you like uh, mystical vapo rub or some shit yeah like that's that. the the you would keep getting in trouble for doing like herbalife <laughs> like yeah. plugs during the middle of things which like is, he would uh, be i'll put you this way i would rather have him in the booth doing color commentary than have him be in the studio as a talking head puppet like i think he would really suck at that yeah, he doesn't have the energy for it. I think the thing with him is that he just doesn't seem like an especially generous guy. And that that's like, and with Eli, it's sort of similar that like, there's just not like this urge in him. Like, I think he certainly knows everything that there is to know about football. I have no doubt that Brady would like be illuminating. I just don't think he's really interested in like talking to other people about stuff like that. I've never gotten that sense. Peyton did want to be loved. I mean, like that was sort of like something poignant about it too, when he was like, 
fucking up with the Colts and like going on Saturday Night Live and being funny or whatever. And you're just kind of like, I don't know, man. Like maybe your priorities. Yeah, he was are a good. That. He was a good host on Saturday Night Live. I yeah, very funny. Uh, last one. Uh, this you you can answer this one first, Chris. This is from Paul. Can we use this cursed pandemic as an opportunity to retire, jump around for good? <laughs> There should be. A, that's a great idea that you could do that. There could be a whole list of stadium traditions that we just agree never to come back, that they're never coming back, but we're just never going to talk about them again. Yeah. You know, it's like the next yep. time you show up to whatever it is. Uh, I went to Michigan. So the next time we should, the, the Michigan actually has people in, we just agree not to shake our keys on third down. It's like, but we just <laughs> pretend that it never happened in the first place. Yeah, it spreads disease. It's not safe. Exactly. Uh, I have kids. I have done that. I have been in Michigan Stadium <laughs> doing the keys. This is a key play. So I have my keys out, and I've thrown marshmallows at the cameraman with all the kids in the student section. I've done all that why stuff. Would yeah, jump, th- why would you need to get rid of Jump Around? I think because he's just sick of I think there are some songs that have been so overplayed at sporting events that they have been ground into dirt. I guess that makes sense. One to of me, them, like even the- though... Even though like I think Sweet it's a- Caroline's the one because those you know those oh, blah, blah, blahs, yeah. there's a lot of sputum involved there. Oh. There's a lot of uh, disease getting blown in your neighbor's face. When people throw out the uh, so good, so good, yeah. so good afterwards. So, oh, every oh. time someone says so good, that's a that is a COVID is uh, disease is contracted by somebody, yeah a baby dies every time it happens. It's Tragic. So. It's but so jump true. around was I have like fond associations with that as like an eighth grade dance song. You know, because, like, that was – no one really wants to dance with people of the other, you know, gender at, like, an eighth grade I dance. Did. Exactly. Like, they're not quite there yet, but, like, they do want to, like, jump, you know? And so, like, the song worked in that regard. <laughs> well, it's a good tension breaker because, you know, you have the slow dances and it's like, oh, I got to dance with the girl. I hope she dances with me. But then Jump Around comes on and everyone can just jump and you don't have to worry about that. Yeah. For five minutes. You can just be a douchebag for five minutes and it's fine. Everybody's <laughs> rapping. There's like some circle in the middle where one kid is like trying to jump over his leg. I'm sure that this still goes on at middle school exactly as it did when I was in middle school. Chris, I was going to ask you about being a Michigan fan, but I feel like that's best left unasked. Is that all right? Yeah, sorry about uh, your season. <laughs> just the, it's not just this season. It's you know it's it's been coming. But... It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. <laughs> well, Chris, thank you yeah. for joining us, and uh, thank you for being a defector accomplice to that yeah, end. Man, thanks for both. We'd like to thank all Absolutely. the Defector accomplices, and we'd like to thank Brandon Nix, who is our producer and engineer. Daisy Rosario is our executive producer. And uh, our theme song was composed and played by the immortal Kirk Hamilton. You can listen to ad-free episodes of The Distraction only on Stitcher Premium. And thanks to Roth, me, and Chris Jones, you can get a free month of Stitcher Premium right now. Just go to stitcherpremium.com. And use the promo code DISTRACT. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever it is that you listen. And subscribe to Defector.com, too. As a matter of fact, it's the holiday season, and we're now offering gift subscriptions. So you go to Defector.com slash holiday dash gift. The dash is a hyphen. I should make that specific. So you can gift out subscriptions to your loved ones and even your enemies. I don't give a shit. It's your money, and yeah. we get it. So it's I don't, a classic I don't... prank to play on yeah. people you hate. Subscribe yeah, so... to this website. Yeah, you can give any kind of subscription you want, even an accomplice one, which might get you onto this show and maybe be a luminous, wonderful guest is the way Chris was. So thank you to Chris, and thank you to Nathan Thornburg, and we'll see you next week, Roth. Bye. Bye, everybody. Thanks. Thanks.